Hello, hello. Hello. And welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. But for the ghosts. Hey, everybody. So, um, last week we, we were off, um... Uh, because I needed to to take that week off. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I posted on social media last week. Uh, if you don't follow us on social media, um, I just want to share the news that uh, my little dog, Tedward, um, passed away um, last week. And uh, uh, Teddy um, got really sick really quickly. Um my partner Sam, who's his mom, um, you know, took him to the vet and um, found out that um, he had two types of cancer. He had lymphoma as well as uh, a growth on his spleen and liver. And so, um, you know, she had to make the really, really difficult decision to um, ensure what was best for, for Ted's happiness and health and well-being and so um uh you know sam lives uh in illinois and i'm in new york right now and so um she she allowed the timing to work so that i could you know get to illinois and to um see Tedward and and spend uh another evening and, and morning with him before he passed and i'm really grateful for that if if you guys don't know who ted is um if it's your first time tuning in um he if you look at our logo he's that little pup in the in the mystery machine with us um with me and christina and um he is just a little um spark of, of joy and um a really really important creature and um it was really really hard and um i'm really grateful that i was able to 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 get there and to hold him uh, one more time and to, 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 you know, cuddle and love on him just a little bit before he went. And I'm grateful to Sam that she, um, you know, uh, made sure that I was there um, knowing how important Ted was in my life. You know, um, Sam's had Ted for 13 years and I've, I've had him for the last five years, just a little fragment of that time. But um, I just it was really important for me to, to be with him. And I'm just so glad that I was able uh, to be there. And so um, that's why we didn't have a show last week. And um, I just want to take this moment and not be emotional, but I'm going to be emotional because that's <laughs> who I am in life. Um, and just kind of thank everyone. A lot of you reached out to social media uh, through social media to me, just sending wishes about Ted and um just my own, you know, my own grief. And I just, I'm just so grateful for the community that we fostered uh, with this show. Um, obviously, when you guys listen to the show, um, if you listen through the commercials, which mm. you may or may not, um, Ted's voice is always heard. He's our, he's the, he's behind the, the, the Bark Box commercial that we do. Um, and so it was just really sweet to, to, to read all your messages of kindness and love. And to know that this little creature made a difference in so many lives, and so um, yeah, it um, I'm I'm just grateful for our community, um, both the people who I know in life and the people that I don't know. There's so many of you that reached out on social media, and I'm like, I don't know who you are in life. <laughs> We've never met, but you listen to my show and you you follow me on social media, and you took the time out of your life to send love and wishes, and that's 
just really, really um, important. And um, just, I know I'm grateful. I know Sam is grateful. I read, I read Sam all the messages as well. So, so she's also grateful for those well wishes. And so just thank you for, for uh, allowing me to take last week off and to kind of just breathe a bit. And um, I didn't want to take another week off. I really wanted to come back to work and, and do the thing. And so uh, in the studio we have, we have uh, Ted's little Edward's collar. His little New York Mystery Machine collar that uh, Christina Kosia, one of our dear friends and and patrons and and lover of the show, uh, got for Ted this past summer, and um, I took that home with me, and um, it's going to stay in the studio forever and ever and ever to remind us of Mr. Tower Butts. Thank you for those those well wishes. Uh, Christina, thank you for for all the support you offered <laughs> me, and and thank you for for allowing me to take last week off and just kind of like you know, breathe for a second. It's just, it was really important. And that's that. That's all the crying I'm doing on the show today. <laughs> but um, I just, uh, I love you, Tedward. And um, I'm so grateful that we got to spend the time that we did together. And yeah, okay, no, that that officially is all the crying I'm going to do today. But um, we are back. Um, we do have another all new episode. All new episode. Today we have some new episodes coming down the pipe. I think we're going to be all new from now through March. We have a really exciting uh, March. Top secret. Top secret. Our March plans are kooky crazy. And um, we can't announce it just yet, but we're going to have a really cool few episodes that culminate in a really, really awesome episode. And so when we have more details about that, we will let you know. Um, but until then, you know, just be excited. Things are happening. All right, that's all I got. Christina, how are you? I'm, <laughs> I'm okay. That's good. I'm, uh, you know, it's winter. Christina, I mean, Christina, Christina would, when when she saw Ted, would hold Ted <laughs> as if she, not as, as, as if she adopted Ted, as if she bore <laughs> Ted from out of her body. Like, it's true. Like, literally, like. <laughs> like every time Christina came over, you can tell Ted was like, "Oh God, she's gonna she's hold here. me. She's gonna hold me she's so here tight. Again. She's gonna hold me so." Just my favorite memory of Ted and Christina by far. I think it was probably the last time you guys hung out. It was definitely probably. the last time you guys hung yeah. out. And Christina was like giving Ted too much love, and then Ted like growled at her, and, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry." Like, and Ted always had this thing, and this is the reason why he did. Right, Ted has a thing where if Ted was like on like a couch or something and someone who wasn't like his parent um came up to him like and and, and put their hand next to his face he get a little defensive because like he's a small dog mm-hmm. and he 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 you know was like no, no whoa whoa just get out of here don't do anything and he would never actually try to bite you but he would just let you know not this is unacceptable unacceptable and so christina did that the last time that ted was here and and she was over and um and Ted like growled at her, and I was like, "I'm so sorry." And Christina, my favorite response ever, she was like, "No, no, I deserve that. <laughs> I know I deserve. That. I deserve that. That was. I know I deserve. That was that. an appropriate response." And so, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, so. Yeah, I, I I know how much yeah. you you love Teddy. I'm gonna miss Ted. Yeah, and so um, he meant a lot to the show. I mean, I I, I remember when we we said when I said what I wanted the the logo to look like, um, and again, our logo is made by the brilliant Nicamia, who um at extra cooler on Instagram to see more of his stuff. And um he I, I remember I was like, I, I want to do the 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 Scooby Doo mystery machine, but instead of Scooby Doo, I want Ted hanging out of it. <laughs> and so she was like, Yeah, that sounds great. Um and so I'm just really grateful. Um and so yeah, let's get into it. 
What are we doing today, Adam? Today we are talking all about 12 Gay Street. Don't know anything about 12 Gay Street, but I love it already. <laughs> I love it already. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Nothing to do with gay people. Damn gay it. it. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people think that Gay Street has origins in the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. But it is an iconic piece of Manhattan. It's short. It's a twisted little road on Manhattan west of 6th Avenue. Um, uh, its origins are uh, as an alley filled with stables. Ooh. Um, that's why so it's that's why when you are on Gay Street you're like this seems a little too narrow to be like a street and even like an old New York street. Right. That's because it wasn't. It was just an alleyway it was for a like stable or, alley. Yeah. Um basically it it was stables for for the rich and and all their dogs and their dogs. <laughs> Course, my brain and all their horses and if they wanted the dogs you know i'm sure they could have and um some attributed the naming of it to sydney howard gay who's an abolitionist and editor huh. of the national anti-slavery standard newspaper however huh. uh that was certainly most that was most certainly not the case as he was still a boy when there was a first written reference to gay street that appeared he was a very influential young boy yeah so in all likelihood it was simply named after a lesser known individual with the same name that we huh. don't really know but he existed, and somehow, some way in life, Gay Street was was created. Or maybe all the horses were just very happy. <laughs> this is really... And they just named it after that. This is really happy horses. Um, wealthy New Yorkers who lived in Waverly Place and Washington, when Washington Square opened in 1826 would keep all their horses there. And, and uh, as the city grew north and the wealthy moved uptown, the stables were converted, converted into low-income housing for servants, mm. many of whom were African-Americans. Um, and then during that same time, uh, there was also talk of a morgue that was located Ooh. in this area as well. So the area had a lot of, um, you know, phases, phases, and a lot of reasons why there can be a sense of the paranormal that, that kind of exists around it. Mm. Um, especially when there's a morgue across the street by the 20th century, most people who were living on Gay Street uh, were black, and many of them were musicians. Ooh. And this was kind of the starting uh, little spot that would eventually grow into Greenwich Village and the arts, the right. arts scene, um, because the spots on Gay Street were so low income. A lot of, uh, of starving artists could, yeah, and most of them were were black people, um, people who are like really starting to introduce the world to jazz mm. and 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 poetry and really great stuff. And from here, that's when we really start seeing it kind of grow out and starting to really develop what we knew the Greenwich, Greenwich Village to become, especially in the 50s and 60s, um, as really the epicenter of the Bohemian movement, mm -hmm. of the arts movement, um, before kind of starting to move all around. Uh, after Gay Street was widened and became an official street in 1833, federal houses began popping up along its west side. Construction of residential buildings slowed during the Panic of 1837. Um, if you don't know the Panic of 1837. Tell me more about the Panic of 1837. This was just a huge economic, um, uh, an economic financial crisis that was happening in the city. Okay. Um, didn't have no money. Right. Um, people didn't have money. The city had no money. So the economy was taking some time to recoup. And it took around 10 years um, 
between 1837 and 1847 for that to happen. And in those years, Gay Street was starting to slowly populate. Mm. I know you're saying to yourself, Adam, this is, feels like the most just New York history podcast. <laughs> but I feel like we haven't had a good old we haven't had a good, lesson exactly. in a while. In I was going to say, there's, there's shockingly little uh, description of the architectural features of federal houses in this moment. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I had a choice, history or architecture. I went history. <sighs> All right. Uh, Gay Street uh, soon began to boast an array of speakeasies, Ooh. taverns, theaters, and music venues. However, the most popular spot, maybe the most famous spot at least on Gay Street, was located at 12 Gay Street. Mm-hmm. And this spot was known as the Pirate's Den. Ooh! It was built in 1827. I know you're wondering, what is the Pirate's Den, Adam? What is the Pirate's Den? Well, of course... It's a buccaneer pirate-themed bar. That's incredible. I didn't think that they had themed bars in the 1820s and 30s. Me That's neither. incredible. I want to believe that this may actually be the, the first original? like themed bar. Yes. Um, and without it, we would never have had Mars 2112. And so I think, <laughs> I think we, you know... And that Mars 2112 doesn't even exist anymore. I was going to say, we're dating ourselves. I know, we're dating ourselves. <laughs> Mars 2112 was a, an alien-themed restaurant in, in like the Times Square area where you would enter and um, you'd go onto an elevator, but the the elevator was like made into like a ship, but it was really just an elevator. And um, <laughs> it would give you this whole little thing that you were like um, pretending like you were taking a spaceship to Mars, and then you'd open up and there was aliens and all the things. Yeah. Would have been a great spot to do something if it were still around. <laughs> great spot to do something. Uh, George Chauncey wrote about uh, Pirate's Den in his book, Gay New York. He wrote, um, it featured clanking chains, clashing cutlasses, ship's lanterns, and patch-eyed buccaneered waiters. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, again, very much a theme restaurant yeah. in in eight, the 1800s. I love this. Um, in 1924, a second section was added to the house. Covering the garden that used to grace the back of it. This architectural uh, graft created a kind of duplex from one apartment to another, small rooms uh, at the sides and in the rear. So you kind of had like a little built around Mm. this little bar situation. Now, prior to taking office, the Pirate's Den was regularly patronized by New York Mayor Jimmy Walker. Hmm. Now, Jimmy Walker was known as the Night Mayor or the (laughs) Gentleman Jimmy, um, a very dapperly dressed man. And quite the character. And I'm so surprised. This may be the first time we've mentioned I say, I don't know Jimmy him. Walker on. And Jimmy Walker was a character of all characters in New York history. He wrote Broadway show tunes before being elected mayor. What? Um, in addition to being very handsome and a snazzy dresser and quite charming, he was also super corrupt as well. But he also loved the party. Sounds he like was, a New York mayor. Um they said that he would party so often and so much that he'd seldom show up to work on time. <laughs> he'd usually show up around noon each day while he was mayor of New York. Wow. He was elected mayor in 1926. And while he was mayor, the country was actually going through a very famous time of, it, of its of its life. You know what that was? 1926. That is prohibition. That's prohibition. That didn't stop him from partying. So what he did... Uh, he would bring his chorus girls around the city, relishing in the speakeasy. Yes, the mayor, relishing in <laughs> speakeasies. He would discourage the police from enforcing prohibition. And then sometime in the 20s, the Pirates Den closed down and Walker bought the building. <gasps> he figured he can use it as a house for his mistress, Betty Compton, who's a Zigfield Follies showgirl. And 
he could also stay there from time to time as well. And he would use the bottom floor as a speakeasy. <laughs> Not only did the mayor of New York, you know, go to speakeasies, he owned a speakeasy. That's incredible. Uh, Walker and Betty Compton would eventually move out and the home bounced around from person to person through the 30s and the 40s. Um, writer and stage magician Walter Gibson lived in the home in the late 40s. We're going to chat about Walter Gibson a little bit later in the story. Okay. But don't forget about him. He's coming. Uh, then later, real estate broker Mary Elaine Strunsky lived there. Great name. And in 1956, she sold it to the acclaimed puppeteer Frank Paris, who moved his family into 12 Gay Street. What a lineup of humans. Yeah. A, a mayor and his his Ziegfeld Follies mistress. Um, a real okay, estate real estate agent. broker. Um, a, I mean, a magician and then an acclaimed puppeteer. What yeah. a what an illustrious! This is insane. I know you're saying to yourself, self. Why hasn't Adam talked about anything mystery yet? I actually don't even care. I'm just so fascinated by this line of bizarre humans. But is it is here where the mystery will start to grow? Um, now, Paris was a very well known pioneer in puppetry. He had performed in Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall, as well as many nightclubs. How do you pioneer in puppetry? You're going to see in a second, because they lived in the apartment and they used the lower portion as a workroom and a studio uh, as a little theater. And it was there while Paris was living where he was given the incredible opportunity. Popular radio host Buffalo Bob Smith got an idea for a Western-themed puppet and people program for kids in 1947. He asked Paris to take the helm and Howdy Doody was born in that hey! basement. So in the basement of 12 Gay Street, Howdy Doody was born. It's where he created the puppet and all that came from the puppet. Wow. Um, but there are more than creepy puppets inhabiting that home. Ooh. See, while the Paris family resided there, they could detect the presence of lingering spirits in the building. I don't like that. According to Mr. Paris, he would often hear the disembodied footsteps climbing the stairs and the sounds of moving objects. Now, here's the thing. I started writing this episode before everything happened with Tedward. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's dog, there's dog talk in this. <laughs> but their family dog mm-hmm. also must have picked up on some strange noises as well. Noises that the humans can hear mm. because it would bark ferociously at dark corners of the home. For instance, um, it would bark as if some sort sort of person was like coming to the home who had been never been there before. Right. Almost as if it was an invisible intruder in life. The dog fended off the house of spirits um, barking and, and kind of checking them basically. And Paris would say often that like, yeah, my dog would just not stop barking at these little corners. But then, one day, sadly, as we know, good dogs do, the little dog passed away. But that didn't stop their little dog from defending the house. Really? Because after his passing, family members claimed that sometimes they would feel their little dog brush up against their legs, mm. perhaps still trying to, con- to to protect them even in death. Aw, I love that. I love that too. That's an okay ghost. That's an okay ghost. Ghost, ghost dogs are always great. That's fine. We love a good ghost dog. And that one ghost cat we had. And the one ghost cat we had. <laughs> ghost cat. <laughs> one of the most frightening moments for the family came on a night when they were hosting guests. Uh, the family and the guests were all downstairs and they're eating and playing games and generally having a bit of fun on the in the evening. All of a sudden, there was a loud pounding sound that began to rattle them. Ooh. And at first, um, at first, the family 
you know, the ones who lived there, paid it no mind. I guess they were just very used to it. Right, at it's that like point. white noise. But the guests were like increasingly starting to get a little bit more concerned. Hmm. Um, the noise started quite faint, but eventually it built up to be louder and louder and louder. And the noise was coming upstairs. Um, and so the guests were like, oh, who do you who do you have upstairs? Like, oh, no one. No one's, <laughs> no one's upstairs. So the guests began to look more troubled and more concerned. And after a time passed and the pounding continued and continued, they guess they asked again, are you sure that that, you know, are you sure someone is upstairs? You know, is someone else living up there while we're down here. And after a long pause, 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 after a long pause, Paris responded, quote, no one. Not a living soul. <laughs> That's very coy, Paris. Very coy. <laughs> um, another guest visiting the Paris family recalled a similar, similarly disturbing visit to the home. While walking throughout the house, she paused to look up at the doorway leading to the hall and the stairs. All of a sudden, she saw something. The guest claimed to have seen a man with dark hair dressed in full evening clothes. Um, she quickly turned to get Mr. Paris's attention, but before she could point out the strange man, he had disappeared like a puff of smoke. Mm. I know. Uh, it's. I think it's one thing when you live in a haunted house, when you start getting so numb to it, mm-hmm. and then like your guests are like... No, this is not okay. <laughs> something's happening here. Like, are you sure? <laughs> That's just the sound that always happens. That's just the bleeding wall, okay? It just bleeds... <laughs> I mean, let it Pay be. no attention to it. Don't look at it. It's fine. Did we? Did we? Do we do like a, a story of like season one where like there was a wall with like goo coming down it? I'm pretty sure. Gosh, we've done so many episodes. We've done yeah. like 76 episodes. I forget sometimes the, the lunacy. Was the, the 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 goo wall the same episode as the? No, those were different episodes. I was gonna say the, the ghost cat. The ghost cat. I don't know. You tell us if you guys remember. <laughs> Fact check us on this. If you guys remember better than we do. Was the goo wall the, the same, same episode as, as Ghost Cat? But there was, a, there was, but like it was that same thing, right? When like you, um, in the Amityville Horror, there was the goo wall. Okay, maybe that's it. Amityville had a goo wall. Um, but I know there was like another episode we had too. I don't know. I, but in any case, if your wall is oozing. You call Please someone. look into it. And if there's pounding on the walls and the also doors. Also look into it. Look into it. Um, and so it's good that we had said look into it because <laughs> at this point, Paris was kind of like losing his mind about it. He was also reporting the smell of violets and frying onions when, no one, else in the, <laughs> when no one else was in the house. It's like who's smelling, who's who's <laughs> cooking, who's frying some onions while I little... spraying violets? I mean, violets are edible, you know. Who's cooking violets and onions? <laughs> So he couldn't solve it. He didn't know what was happening. His family was getting increasingly annoyed and, and, and paranoid about the whole thing. And so, much like we had suggested just a minute ago, mm. when something's happening, you just gotta, you gotta get down to it and call someone who, who, who knows what they're doing. So that's what Frank does. Frank finally says to himself, I'm gonna figure this out. And he begins a journey that ended up with six different mediums coming to the house. Six of them? Six different mediums. And while I don't have all of the mediums, um, I couldn't find all the reports. I did find the reports of one. And that one report was written down by the person who hired the medium. Mm-hmm. Christina, it's New York. It's the 60s. Who's writing this stuff down again, mediums? Is it Hans Holzer? It's Hans Holzer. Welcome back to the show, Hans. Holzer! I feel like it's Hans like is an old friend. <laughs> Hans Holzer was, was brought into the house... 
and he was going to do some investigating, and he will. And we're going to hear from Mr. Holzer when we get back from the break. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. All right, we are back. Back with Hans Holzer. Hans Holzer's back on the show, y'all. I mean, again, there's a haunting in New York. It's some. It's sometime between the <laughs> 60s and the 70s. It's going to be Herr Holzer. Hans Holzer is going to be there to make an appearance. So I read up on his experience uh, at 12 Gay Street in his book, Ghosts, True Encounters of the World Beyond. Mm. Um, this is like the, probably the second time or even third time I'm mentioning this book. Mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of the, the Hans Holzer appearances on the show um I found through um this book. Um the last one being um hung, the Hungry Girl. Oh, Hungry Lucy. Yeah, Hungry Lucy was the last that was also in this book. Um so Holzer writes the following quote It all started when a reporter from the New York World Telegram, Cindy Hughes, came to interview me and casually dropped a hint that she knew of a haunted house. Faster than you can say, Journal American, I had her promise to lead me to this house. (laughs) On a particular warm night in May 1963, I followed Miss Hughes down to Gay Street. Barry Ritter knew nothing about this case. She didn't even know the address of where we were going. No. Barry was Hans's medium for this case. Okay. I know we're used to talking about Miss Ethel. Right. But um, this is just Barry. Barry. Barry here. I know. I kept... I, when I, I, I Every time I wrote her name, I wrote Betty. Um, and I have this like little clipping from, from the book that I just read from. And it said Barry. I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's her name. That's her name. Hey. Like, correct all. <laughs> Hans continued. Quote, we were greeted warmly by Frank Paris, who led us up the stairs and into the upper apartment. The sight of a elaborately furnished huge living room was surprising. Oriental figurines, heavy drapes, paintings, statuary, and antiques filled the room. In two comfortable chairs, we found awaiting us two friends of the owners, an intense-looking man in his 30s, Richard X, who I later discovered was an editor by profession, and Alice May Hall, a charming lady of undetermined age. Richard X. A charming lady of undetermined age. <laughs> That's going to be you when you grow old. It's like... Christina, she's a charming lady of undetermined age. How old do you think she is? Undetermined. Undetermined. No one could know. It's like she's old, but we don't want to say she's old. So we're going to say it's undetermined. I love it. My Uh, new hero. He continues. I managed to get Barry out of earshot so I can question these people without her getting impressions from our conversation, which is very common Mm -hmm. uh, for for practice. Um, 
Hans would get a load of information. We got this a bunch of times in a lot of the other Hans Holzer cases we've talked about. Hans would get a background information, what's been happening, what's happening in the house, how they're feeling, all these things, and making sure that the medium wasn't in the room so that when the medium does come back into the room, it's a clear slate. The medium isn't, isn't, right. isn't um, influenced, influenced by, by, by any of the things that they had said. Hans asks, what is this about the house being haunted? Paris nodly gra- nods gravely. Paris continues. I was working downstairs with some lacquer. It was late, about 3 a.m. Suddenly, I began to smell a strong odor of violets. My black spaniel here also smelled it, for he started to sniff rather strangely. And yet, Ted, my partner in the same room with me, did not get the strange scent at all. But there was more. People walked up and down the stairs at night time and time again. Hans asked back, uh, what do you mean, waltz? Paris says, I mean, they go up and down, up and down, as if they had business here. Frank explained, I thought to myself, perhaps they had. Perhaps they had. <laughs> perhaps they had business <laughs> up and down. Um, it's worth noting. It's, it's worth, worth noting! noting! Um, they had the family had two dogs. The spaniel was not the dog okay. that passed away. That was about to be my question. Yes, the spaniel is still alive, uh, not like the the passed away doggy. Frank continued. A weekend visitor also had a most peculiar experience. He knew nothing about our haunted reputation. Of course, we were away on a short trip, and when we got back, he greeted us with, "Say, who are all these people going up and down the stairs?" <laughs> He had thought that the house next door was somehow connected to ours and that what he had heard were people from next door. But of course, there's no connection whatsoever. Oh. I know. Can you imagine like, you're like. Hate that. Like it's in someone's house. Like it's so weird. Your neighbors are so loud. I don't got neighbors. What, what neighbors? Oh God. They ain't no neighbors. <laughs> um, Hans asked if he ever uh, tried, you know, to investigate the situation. Did mm-hmm. he, did you look? Did you, you know, go up and down the spots? You know, what's been your procedure? And and Frank said that he had done it many times, but there's never anyone there. Um, never anyone of flesh and blood, that is. <laughs> I love how this guy's always like so like punny with like this yeah. whole thing. He's like to his friends, not a living soul. Yeah. <laughs> no one's there. Not a flesh and blood, that is. Remind me, is this the puppeteer? This is the this puppeteer. Is the puppeteer. Yeah. So he's, he's got this a little... is the creator of Howdy Doody. <laughs> if you knew I mean Many people don't know who Howdy Doody. I mean, I barely know Howdy Doody. I only know Howdy Doody from like television history. Yeah. But like Howdy Doody is this like little Western themed puppet yeah. show that was on in the 40s and 50s. Kids loved him. And, and so just imagine the guy who created Howdy Doody <laughs> in this haunted house talking, making these Snyder marks. <laughs> um, Hans then thanked them and wondered aloud if perhaps they were psychic. They He thought. Maybe this was a, a possible solution since what they experienced can only be called psychic phenomena. Why psychic phenomena? Okay, so first and foremost, psychic phenomena, for those who don't know, uh, relates to the non-physical realm of existence and the existential spirit or souls of which the deity is a member, the supreme being, spirit or soul. So basically, any sort of connection you have with things that are not living mm-hmm. or beyond that, right. whether it be not of this world, not of this world, you know, whether it be spirits, whether it be poltergeists, whether it be demonic spirits, whatever the case may be. Um. So, the fact that they're sensing this, well, maybe you're you're a bit psychic. What a stupid question. <laughs> I mean, if that's true, 
am I a bit psychic? Because I've had plenty of <laughs> like if you ever experience something paranormal, are you a bit psychic? There's a bit psychic. I don't it's a know. Frasier reference for everyone. I don't know, get that reference. Oh, well, you should watch Frasier. I, I, I like Frasier, but I don't think I've ever like watched the whole series. It's worth it. I started watching the whole. This is a tangent. <laughs> but um, yeah. So in general, <laughs> I, that is by, bizarre. By Hans's definition, I think I'm also a psychic. I but, mean, also like half of their friends are psychics, <laughs> right? Like every person they've had in their house is a little bit psychic. <laughs> it's so weird. Well, Frank would say. The oddest, oddest thing, because Frank was like, you know what? I think I am a little psychic to an extent. <laughs> this guy. I know. He goes, Maybe to an extent, we're a little psychic. <laughs> he had also talked to Hulter about their little dog who passed away. He told them how him and his wife would feel their dog at, a, at their feet for over a year after he passed. Hulter then went over and sat where Miss Hall was seated, um, the lady of, of undetermined age. <laughs> He stood, he sat right next to her, and without any prompt, she said, quote, Oh, there is a ghost here, all right. Who are these people? I know. This is real lady who's like friends, like, Oh, there's a ghost here. There's something right. David Lynchian about this. They're just sitting in the corner undetermined. So, Christina, I'd love you to read the rest of, of her statement that she, that she said right. to Hans. I imagine her being. A gray, a, a gray-haired lady of undetermined age. Mm, like mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. could be eighty, but she could be like sixty. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, from it was in February. Yeah. It was in February 1963, which was like three months ago, for the record. <laughs> And I happen to be in this house since the boys and I are good friends. I was sitting here in this very spot, relaxing and casually looking toward the entrance door through which you just came. The one that leads to the hallway and the stairs. There was a man there wearing evening clothes and an Inverness cape. I saw him quite plainly. He had dark hair, it was dusk, and there was still some light outside. Hans asks then, what did you do? I turned my head to tell Frank Paris about the stranger and that instant he was gone like a puff of smoke. Then Paris says, I questioned her about this since I really didn't believe it. But a week later at dawn this time, I saw the ghost myself, exactly as Alice had described him, wearing evening clothes, a cape, a hat, and his face somewhat obscured by shadows of the hallway. Both Alice and I are sure he was a youngish man and had sparkling eyes. What's more, our dog also saw the intruder. He went up to the ghost, friendly-like, as if to greet him. I think my favorite thing is that no one here knows how to age anyone. No one knows how to age He's anyone. a youngish, youngish, youngish man. I wouldn't say young. It's like I, I wouldn't say old. I can't really say, but... Undetermined age, Undetermined guy. age. Um, we haven't spoken about the fucking cape. The cape is... <laughs> That is a wonderful, an Inverness cape. If I see a, a ghost, I want that ghost to be fancy as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. get your top, your, your top hat on. Mm-hmm. You get your finest. Cape. You get your finest cape. Um, Incredible. Get your opera duds. <laughs> like opera. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so, so, uh, 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 Paris's friends are talking about the ghost. He's talking about the ghost. Ghosts galore. So. After this, Hans heads back to Barry, the medium. Who even needs her at this point? Half the, the people <laughs> in New York are psychic, apparently. apparently. So. Uh, and he asks uh, Barry to gather some psychic impressions while she roams the house. It's like, <laughs> should I do my job? Sure. <laughs> hey, 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 do your job. <laughs> it's like, how about you go get gather some impressions? I know. <laughs> I'm a fucking medium, dude. 
Now I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. <laughs> so she does. Uh, as she walks, she she stops for a moment and she says, quote, a crime was committed here. Ooh. Um, she then described a terrible argument upstairs between two people. She described a gambling den, opium smokers, and a language she could not understand. The man's name was Ming, she said. Ming is a very common Chinese word meaning the sun, I believe. So many things. So many things. All right. Let's unpack that. <laughs> unpack this. True and false. True. Gambling. Sure. It was a speakeasy. We got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, opium smokers? Ah, maybe. Sure. I, I, opium, I don't know. Opium sure. was not uncommon yeah. uh, in, in the, the 1800s. True. I mean, true, true, true. Um, then she goes on to say that the man's name was Ming, and she lost me there for yeah. a second. <laughs> um, Ming. And then my favorite part is Hans, who's like, kind of like unpacking it as well and he's like Ming is a very common Chinese word meaning I believe son and my favorite is that he's not sure like he hasn't quite done know. his homework yeah, he, did he, you ask anyone Hans <laughs> I think it means the son right it's gotta be what else could it mean uh is her name Barry or Betty because now it says Betty see <laughs> I bet it's Betty I bet it's Barry but I've said Barry the entire time also, it's important to note that in Hans's book, he refers to Barry as Betty and Barry. And I'm not sure which one is a typo. Barry is 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 said more often than Betty, so maybe Betty was the typo. That that could be. I'm not sure. In any case, I'm going to read it as it was in his book, and this is how it reads in his book. Quote. Betty also told Frank Paris that someone close to him by the name of John had passed on and that he had something wrong with his right eye, which Paris acknowledged was correct. Hmm. She told Ted Lewis, who was also there, that a Bernard L. was around him, not knowing, of course, that Lewis's father was named Bernard Lewis. She told Richard X that he worked with books, and it was not until after the seance that I learned he was an editor by profession. I don't know about the Chinese and the opium den. <laughs> My favorite line. I don't know about the Chinese on the opium den, but they are possibilities in an area far removed from the bright lights of the city as the village once was. <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't know so much about that. About this opium den. But she said it, so I'm reporting it. I tell you, if you read Hans Holzer's books as complete fiction, they're just brilliantly funny. <laughs> it's like, if you're like, this is all untrue, this is hilarious. <laughs> if you read it as some of it's true, it's still hilarious, yeah. actually. <laughs> so after this, the group heads downstairs. They form a circle in the dark, and Barry, Betty, who knows, yeah. uh, falls into a trance. Hans says that her neck fell back as if she was being possessed by someone with a neck injury. Hmm. Um, quote, a meal, she mumbled. And added the woman had been decapitated Ooh. and her bones were still about. Ooh. She then came out of the trance and we walked back upstairs to the oldest part of the house. Still seeing clairvoyantly, Betty Barry, again mumbled a meal. And she said she saw documents with government seals on them. She also felt someone named Mary Ellen had lived there and earlier some well-known government official named Wilkins or Wilkinson. Betty, of course, or Barry. <laughs> I'm so confused. Half the article calls her Barry and half it calls her Betty. Betty, of course, knew nothing of the real estate broker Mary Ellen Strunsky or mm. Jimmy Walker, the former New York mayor who had both been in the house for so long. Yeah. It now remained for us to find those bones that Betty talked about. 
we returned downstairs for a portion of the house. We returned to the downstairs portion of the house, but Betty refused to go further. Mm. Her impression of tragedy was so strong, she urged us to desist. Ooh. Where are the bones? I'm just really frustrated because I don't know if her name is Betty or Betty. <laughs> Barry or Betty. I just don't... Half the article, half the book, chapter, he calls her Barry, and then half Betty. Well, the typist was clearly sleeping on the job. Yeah. Is it Barry or Betty? <laughs> like, three minutes ago, we were like, I'm sure Betty's a typo. But now it's like, no. Nope. Could, could have been funny. Barry. Could have been Barry. <laughs> um, and that was that. They never actually tried to, like, look for or excavate any sort of bones. What? I, I would know. be, I would be like, tearing out the walls looking Lady for comes into my house and says there's, there's bones. bones. I'm like, let's fucking find these yeah. bones. Yeah. I don't want them there. I don't want I the chance of it there. I'd like here. to make sure that there are no bones. Get the fucking bones out of here. Guys, if you have bones in your... Let's get the bones out, you guys. Please. So Holter would come back uh, one more additional time with his go-to medium, Ethel Myers, whose name was, you know, not spelled incorrectly. Um, <laughs> you would remember Ethel Myers from a few of our episodes. Um, Amityville Horror was one of those episodes. Hungry Lucy was one of those episodes. Um, I even think some episodes back in season one, Ethel Myers was, mm. was uh, part of. Uh, Myers made contact with a French diplomat who complained that he had been tortured here, Ooh. but held on to his secrets. Hmm. Um, I couldn't track down a full transcript of that session. Uh, it wasn't in the book that I was reading that I got this one from. And I also read his uh, follow-up book, Ghost Hunter, and it wasn't in that. Mm. So I really couldn't find it. I'm sure he's just someplace because sure. someone reported on it. Um, I just couldn't seem to find the actual transcript of the whole thing. But I'll keep looking. I'll track it down. And then on a future episode, we'll read we'll from read it. it. Eventually, the family would move out. Duh. Um, there was a 1991 televised visit with the medium. Yeah. Again, I couldn't find this, but apparently it happened. Um, Sean Robbins was the medium, and he once again made contact with a tortured soul who had died violently for holding on to something. Mm, um, secrets. Yeah, some sort of secret. Um, yeah. Again, it was mentioned on another site talking about the house. I couldn't find it, though. Mm-hmm. And um, again, so th- those are three of the mediums. There's right. three other mediums who also were in the house at one point, uh, maybe even four, because I'm not sure if if Sean Robbins was part of the original, original six. Tally, yeah. Um, so plenty of mediums that went to this house, and plenty of people have been, you know, spotted in this house. Apparently, we we hear of this Frenchman who's tortured. I wonder if he's the one with the cape. Yeah, we have talk about this person with the cape. I have my own theories about the person with the cape. Okay, but we'll get to that in a second. Okay, remember earlier I mentioned. Writer and stage musician Walter Gibson. I forgot about there. him, yes. I know. I told you to remember. You didn't remember. Walter Gibson, I mentioned him earlier. I said we'll get to him. Well, he lived in the house um, right before uh, um, uh, the Paris family did. So, in a July 21st, 1981 edition of the Weekly World News, <laughs> a very reputable newspaper. It's not. Um, <laughs> He would speak on his time in the house and make an interesting claim that he, in fact, created the spirit that roams the home. What? So Gibson was responsible for a character he created for a radio series called The Shadow. The character who narrated the series also made its way into a series of magazines and books that Gibson wrote. Gibson says in the article, quote, Since I was living in the village, I laid the plot of The Shadow there, and I visualized Cranston moving through the hallways of the house as I wrote. I visualized the character so strongly that his image was impressed on the surroundings, end quote. 
Now, Lamont Cranston was the main character of Gibson's pulp series, The Shadow Magazine. His alter ego, The Shadow, was a crime-fighting vigilante with psychic powers, posing as a wealthy young man about town. So Gibson believes that what many think is a ghost is actually a character from his his, his imagination that he conjured that he conjured so much manifested so hard hard. (laughs) that he manifested this to become a real ghost Uh, (laughs) i'm not buying that one i i i'm I'm much more in line with the there was a french diplomat that yeah there's so many things there the house has so much history it was a speakeasy. Yeah. It was a pirating bar. Yeah. I mean, there were so many reasons for it to be haunted. I don't think it's this manifestation. I love him trying to take credit for it, though. I mean, good on you. I mean, good well well done. That's some good press. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Somebody needs to take credit for this. Since the 1920s, the house remains shattered in mystery. Um, all throughout the 50s till today, um, they say that the spirits still roam. Neighbors have told stories of folks moving in and soon after moving out due to so many paranormal issues and experiences. The main paranormal experiences people have noted are screeching chairs, mm. screams of pain, sometimes a clicking of glasses, occasional cooking smells Violets that, and onions. that have been reported over the time. Again, walking upstairs, pounding, pounding, pounding. Mm. And of course... People have seen the image of a dapper gentleman wearing a top hat Mm -hmm. and tails, maybe a cape, and always appearing to be very polite and Mm. very elegant. Hmm. I think maybe it's Jimmy Walker. Oh. It's not so far from how he dressed. I will show Jimmy Walker on the Instagram. Jimmy Walker, in fact, I I will show to you right now. I mean, dapper, dapper, dapper. That's a youngish man. That smile on his face. So maybe yeah. after he passed, he found his home back at that speakeasy mm-hmm. they love so much with his mistress. I could see that. I like that. I like that theory. I Top buy it. Top hat. Top hat. Yeah. I don't see anything with a cape. I'll keep looking. Oh, I'll go back up. There's the tails. Yeah, I could I see, see the tails being mistaken. Well, maybe not. I have a good feeling it's it's Jimmy Walker. Yeah. But it could be so many people. It was a speakeasy. Right. For God's sakes. <laughs> or a French diplomat. Who knows? Or a pirate. Um, in addition, locals often say they spot a hazy apparition of this man also mm. wandering aimlessly along the sidewalks, perhaps unaware of his death and trying to find his way home. They call this man the Phantom of Gay Street. Oh, crazy. And that is a story of 12 Gay Street. Um, wow. Both its history and its paranormal history. I have never heard anything about this. This is fascinating. Crazy characters in this one, right? Truly. A former mayor... Um, uh, a puppeteer, a, a vaude, you know, a, a, a magician. Yeah, uh, um, the Zigfield Follies lady, Folly girl, uh, magicians. Writers. My favorite, a buccaneer themed the bar in eighteen twenty five or whatever. A lady of undetermined of age. undetermined age. <laughs> Wild! Like I love this. Like is insane. Stuff. This is insane. Yeah. And our friend Hans Holzer. And the legendary Hans Holzer. Hans Holzer. Always coming back to, to me. And again, we're going to hear more from Hans. We'll never, we'll never, we'll never, not, not, hear we'll never not hear from Hans. <laughs> Anywho, well, that's, that's all I got this week. Well, thanks for that, Adam. That is a, that is a, that is a doozy. That's a story. I'm happy to share. Uh, and if you, if you have any theories, um, as always, you know what to do. You head over to our Instagram at NY Mystery Machine or our Facebook at NY Mystery Machine, and you can drop us a message letting us know your theories, your thoughts, all those things. If you want to write something longer, you can email us at nymysterymachine at gmail.com. Um, and the best, 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 best thing you can do is head on over to iTunes, Spotify, 
Audible, wherever you listen to your podcast, and make sure you give us a five-star rating. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, you can also uh, leave us a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. But it doesn't matter to us. We'll, we'll read them all. Yeah. Um, if you do that, we'll 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 put you uh, in our in our mix to be a listener of the month, which we haven't done in a while because we haven't gotten new reviews. Yeah. So um, make sure you do that. And um, and uh, yeah, follow, like, subscribe, all that jazz. Um, yeah, and if you are interested in helping us in a in a deeper way, you know that we have some new equipment that we got. Uh, we have a new sound box. We're looking to to continue that journey and get some more equipment into our into our uh, studio because things are breaking. Um, <laughs> you head over to patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine, and for as little as three dollars a month, you become a patron. For as five dollars, you get a bonus episode every month, and uh, it goes all the way up to our highest level, which is currently um, back on sale for fifty dollars a month. Um, uh, just in honor of my my dear little Tedward, um, it's a fifty again fifty percent off for fifty dollars a month. You get all those things, including a sandwich of the month. We have one patron at that level who got their first sandwich of the month last month. I didn't post those pictures because my dog died last week. Um, but those will be posted this week, and you can see um the first the um, incredible sandwich, the incredible sandwich, and there'll be another one this month. So yeah, join our Patreon. For those who didn't think it was real, it's real. It's Some, real. <laughs> someone joined it and they got a sandwich that I personally made. I handcrafted that sandwich. So uh, we're back all new next week. We can't wait to, to get into it. Ted Bird, we miss you so much, buddy. Ted. And um, thanks for listening uh, to to the show today and to all the shows. Uh, I've been Adam Mace. And Christina Marinelli. And thanks for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts.